Welcome to FS Air, the weekly teaching content of Forest Students, brought to you over the airwaves. I grew up playing a ton of Nintendo video games. Super Mario, Legend of Zelda, Star Fox, Super Smash Brothers. One of the defining characteristics of Nintendo games, and I think of most video games, is the idea of boss fights. At certain points, as you progress through a video game, you beat smaller, easier enemies, and all of a sudden you're confronted with an enemy that is big, strong, and harder to defeat. Beating a boss usually requires you to use previous skills and items that you've gained before. Shout out to the Legend of Zelda series. And at the end of the game, you will reach usually what is a final boss that you have to beat to win the entire game. It's usually someone like Bowser, Ganon, or Master Hand that's supposed to challenge you to use all the abilities you've gained and push you to the brink you'll probably lose a few fights against them before you finally beat them. Well, tonight's lesson in our Theophany series is kind of like a boss fight. Our main character is Jacob the Israelite, and the boss is, uh, well, God. God himself. Now, this might seem like a mismatch on paper, but there's a few twists and surprises along the way of this Theophany. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 32. Verses 24 to 31. It says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he touched Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please, tell me your name. But he answered, Why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. That is why still today, the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. So our theophany here is God appears as a man to wrestle and bless Jacob. God appears as a man to wrestle and bless Jacob. Now this is a bizarre story. So let's back up briefly for some context. Jacob is the son of Isaac and the grandson of Abraham. God told this family that he was going to bless them and make them into a great nation. Jacob knows this, and throughout his life, he has done whatever it takes to get this blessing and live this blessed life. He manipulated his brother Esau to sell him his stake in the family inheritance. He deceived his father Isaac by pretending to be Esau to gain his father's blessing. He bargained with Laban in order to get Rachel as his wife. And over and over again, Jacob has shown he's a schemer and a plotter who wants to take advantage of people for his own gain. Like a video game, Jacob lives his life 
like pushing the right buttons and using the right items at the right time, will win him this game, the game of life. Jacob also feels this way about God. Notice what Jacob says a little earlier about his relationship with God. Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, if he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God. Did you notice all the if-then conditions? Jacob's attitude was, if God will do good stuff for me, then I'll let him be my God. Jacob wanted a bargaining relationship with God. God, if you do this, then I'll follow you. So in some ways, this is like the final boss of Jacob's life. He has tussled with other humans before, but now he's face to face with God in the form of a man. And what do they do? They throw down. Ding, ding, ding. They wrestle all night long. And when this man sees he could not defeat Jacob, he dislocates Jacob's hip clearly showing that he has a supernatural advantage over him. Now, just as an aside, it takes an insane amount of force to dislocate someone's hip. Your hip joint is the strongest joint on your body. Think about how much weight weightlifters can squat without dislocating their hips. One website had this to say about a hip dislocation. It typically takes a major force to dislocate the hip. Car collisions and falls from significant heights are common causes, and as a result, other injuries like broken bones often occur with the dislocation. A hip dislocation is a serious medical emergency. Immediate treatment is necessary. So clearly, this man is no mere man at all. If he can just touch Jacob's hip and cause a car collision's worth of damage in a moment. Yet what does Jacob say in verse 26? I will not let you go until you bless me. You can imagine Jacob hanging on to this man for dear life, on the ground, writhing in pain, tears streaming down his cheeks, yet unwilling to admit defeat. So God tells him, your name isn't Jacob anymore, but Israel because you have struggled with God and men and prevailed. Israel sounds like the Hebrew word for wrestle or struggle with God. Saritael is the, is the combination of words there. You can kind of hear it if you say it quickly. Saritael, Israel. Jacob's entire life has been characterized by fighting other people and now fighting God himself. So it's fitting then that this becomes his new name. God then graciously blesses Jacob, and Jacob realizes what's going on. Verse 30, Jacob says, For I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Jacob realizes he should have died because of his choice to fight God. Rather than submit to God, rather than worship Him, rather than repent of his pride, Jacob wrestled with God and lived to tell the story. This doesn't mean that Jacob was right to do it, but it means that God was still merciful to Jacob and blessed him, even though he didn't deserve it. What started as a bizarre wrestling match is turning into quite the revelation of who God is. Let's now focus on the significance of this theophany. The significance is this. 
God appearing as a man signifies his willingness to come down and identify with people. God appearing as a man signifies his willingness to come down and identify with people. What is amazing in this story is that God comes down to meet Jacob where he is. God doesn't owe Jacob a blessing. He doesn't owe Jacob a wrestling match. Jacob is a liar and a schemer. He relied on himself his entire life rather than God to get what he wanted. Like we said earlier, Jacob wanted a relationship with God, but on his own terms. God, you do this, this, and this for me, and then I'll follow you. But friends, that's not how God operates. He is not this cosmic vending machine in the sky where we push the right buttons and insert some church attendance and add some prayer and voila, we get a blessing from him. But too many times we slip into this attitude toward God. We think, okay, God, I'll follow you, but only if you make my life better first. God, I'll believe you're good only if you do something that I want. God is showing here that the only way we gain his blessing is because of his grace. God could have just told Jacob, all right, that's it. You're done. No blessing. You're on your own. Yet God comes to Jacob to humble him and hurt him, yet still bless him. If we think we can earn something from God, it might take God wrestling us into submission before we get it. God might have to cause us some pain along the way, like he caused Jacob some pain, in order to get our attention and remind us that our relationship to him is not by our own cleverness and self-reliance, but because God is gracious and patient with us. That is the surprising twist of this story. God could have just come down and crushed Jacob, just ripped him limb from limb and buried him in the dirt. But what did God do? He allowed Jacob time to wrestle and struggle with him. Jacob's wrestling with God probably began out of pride, but turned into wrestling in humility. The same goes for us if we find ourselves struggling with God. By appearing to Jacob as a human like us, God is showing us that he's not too high and distant from us to care about our struggles. He is willing to relate to us and level with us in our difficulties. Our posture of wrestling with God shouldn't be out of pride. God, how dare you? Give me something good or I'm out. No, our posture should be of humility when we want to wrestle God. God, I feel weak and lost. Help me understand you when I just want to fight you. Likewise, we shouldn't say, God, bless me because I deserve it. I've been a good boy or good girl for Christmas this year. Come on. No, our attitude ought to be, Lord, bless us because you are good and generous and let us use the good things you've given to us to be a blessing to others. I think that is the posture that we ought to have when we think of wrestling with God. James 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Romans 8 26 says, in the same way, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us. Lastly, we see how this theophany points forward to Jesus in this way. Jesus is the God-man who became like us so we can be changed 
by him. Jesus is the God-man who became like us so we can be changed by him. In this story of God appearing to Jacob as a man, we have a temporary foreshadowing of what is permanently going to come true thousands of years later, that God would come back again to be with his people. Not because we deserved it or bargained for it, but because he is a gracious God who wants to change us for our good. Jacob's entire life was one of trying to gain the upper hand on people and to use them for his own advantage. Jacob thought, everything in my life is up to me, so I've got to hustle to make it happen. That sounds exactly like the messages from the world around us, doesn't it? You get out there. You hustle. Go for your dreams. Don't let anyone stop you. See, in our world, people are good until they get in your way of doing what you want. Then it's up to you to get around them. But then Jacob comes face to face with God and realizes this is not how life is supposed to work. Jacob had to realize the point of life is not to gain, 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 win, win, win but it's to meet God and be changed by him. Because God is gracious, he came to us as a man named Jesus to show us a better way. Jacob wanted to win, but Jesus said, in my kingdom, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Jacob wanted control. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven to do my father's will. Jacob wanted blessings through his own strength. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In this theophany of God wrestling Jacob, Jacob is a picture of all of us. We want to have a relationship with God on our own terms. God, do this. Bless me. Make my life good, and then I'll follow you. But God says, I am gracious, loving, and patient. So follow me, regardless of what may come. That is what we see in Jesus who has come to us side by side as a human like us. He gained by losing. He lived by dying. And he offers us the same victory if we submit to him as our Lord and Savior. A.W. Tozer once said, The Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. Jacob had to be conquered. Sometimes God might have to do the same for us. He might have to send some stuff our way to weaken us and bring us some pain so that we realize that we have been wrong to fight God and should instead submit to him. So here's my question. Did Jacob beat this final boss? Here's the secret. It wasn't about winning. If you read this story and you just want to figure out who won, God or Jacob, I think you're missing the point. This story is not about winners and losers but it's about encountering the living God and being changed by him. That's our opportunity every time we gather around God's word to meet him, know him, and be changed by him. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out the episode description for discussion questions and additional Bible reading to do with your family, your friends, or your small group. And make sure to check back again soon for more content. We'll see you next time.